Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap each episode of Criminal Minds. We also read each episode and have an in-depth discussion. Today we're recapping Season 1, Episode 2, Compulsion, uh, which is one of my least favorite episodes ever. Man, oh man, I've got some thoughts about Episode 2. We're going to start each episode by saying like a, a fun fact about us because we spend so much time just talking about the episodes. So my fun fact today is that I currently have about 300 aquatic snails because I had two very horny aquatic snails called Nick Jonas and Clementine, and then they had babies, but I didn't know, and I tried to separate them, and then Nick Jonas committed suicide, and then I just had the one very large aquatic snail. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, there's like a lot of like dust in this tank, but it was babies. So uh, it, it's it's a nightmare. Uh, it's a nightmare. It's a complete, it's like ruining my tank. So I'm coping. <laughs> my fun fact was that I had an elitist English professor who spent too much time shitting on One Direction for my liking. So I did an entire project on the Jonas Brothers just out of spite. I, I feel like a lot of the time we we have these conceptions in our minds that just because music is liked by young people, especially I would say young girls, that the music doesn't it doesn't have artistic merit. Girl, I can get on a whole, I can do a whole rant on that about how elitist our culture is and how society doesn't like teenage girls, even though they're, we're like the oracles of Delphi of like quality and judgment. Um, but I watched the Jonas Brothers documentary and I cried. So it was really good. And that's how Sue sees it. So. <laughs> A disclaimer, we are not in any way associated with the television show Criminal Minds or any of the source material of Criminal Minds. We are just fans and we're not laying claim to any of it. And before we get started on the recap, let's just review our rating criteria. We're going to rate it on five different topics. Those topics are criminal slash serial killer, character development and character arcs for our main cast, the forensics and context of the crime, the script writing, and background characters, as in like the special, more unique characters that come into these specific episodes, like guest stars and stuff. This episode can have 100 points in total, and I can promise you this episode is not going to be getting 100 points. I am going to throw in my vote for as many background character points as possible because I have I have a favorite in this one. I want to see more of him. He should have his own show, but we'll get to him. <laughs> Let's get into the plot. We meet Jennifer Giroux, aka JJ. Oh, that's the blonde girl, right? Yeah, and she actually becomes a major character and has really just like the hottest romantic interest. Like he's just, I know I sat like I'm a happily married woman, but this, 
this the accent this man has oh i'm excited for you to receive the text from me when we get to that part oh yes <laughs> the bau's next case is an arsonist at bradshaw college in tempe arizona where six fires have broken out in seven months and the most recent fire caused the death of a student the other fires were just structural damage the BAU becomes in possession of a recording of the death slash murder of the student who died at Bradshaw College. We see a recording of Matthew Rowland being filmed by his roommate. The cameraman holding like, I guess it's supposed to be like a phone camera, turns and we see that the building across the way is on fire, which is a dorm building. And then Matthew draws the cameraman's attention to what appears to be smoke coming underneath their door and someone attempting to unlock the door and get into the room. But the person is unsuccessful and the cameraman says something like, oh, you know, get stay away from there. And Matthew then catches on fire and dies. And I'm sorry that I laughed, but it, it is a little bit like, hey, man, you shouldn't do that. And then he's like, I'll be fine. And then it's, it's weird. And it's like it's it's I laugh because it's bizarre, but it's also disturbing at the same time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's creepy. And I will say something like these these um, side characters, these background characters really like the, the when they scream, they scream. These actors are like they're like, we're trying to get our union cards. So they're going full force. <laughs> they are, especially in the next episode, the blood curdling scream that the one guy utters. I was like, I was like, I need to like lower the volume. My neighbors are going to be like concerned about me. <laughs> um, but we get um, a profile on arsonists. So Abigail, can you take it away? So what they tell us about arsonists from, you know, their exposition dump as uh, Googler talks about it. He says that 82% of arsonists are white males between the ages of 17 and 27. Two common stressors for a serial arsonist would be a loss of job or loss of love. Aww. But they also then say that female arsonists are less likely, um, but their motive is usually revenge, which I think is very interesting. And that serial arsonists derive pleasure from pathological fire setting, so they wouldn't just set the fire and walk away, which is, seems to be what's happening here. It's like a, like a sexual release. Yes. To like, yes, okay. And then these would be other indicators or stressors that could induce or create. This this gets into the whole like nurture versus nature thing, but an absent or abusive father. Sometimes I would say I would argue mother as well, but they don't bring that up. Um, trouble with the opposite sex, which again I would also argue I would just say trouble with the desired sex. And then uh, chronic uh, low self-esteem, which I can't argue with. Hashtag me too. Not to get into it now, but like trouble with the opposite sex is not really like Jeffrey Dahmer was gay. Like he had trouble with that desired sexual partner, but like it wasn't the opposite sex. So 
Stop it with your compulsive heterosexuality here. Yeah, I mean, these these episodes were released, um, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, but in terms of television and media and how we've progressed and become more open-minded, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, television and everything has, there's, I mean, we still have to fight for more representation and inclusivity, but like, even stuff from just 10 years ago, the difference is wild with how how they are so binary with everything. It's worth mentioning again, just to say everyone's names. So the BAU team is special agent Jason Gideon. He was the one who was on medical leave. We have special agent Derek Morgan or the delicious Derek Morgan. Uh, Dr. Spencer Reed played by Goobs. Supervisory special agent Aaron Hotchner or Hotch. And Special Agent L. Greenaway is with them. She's like on a probationary period before she's hired permanently. The team arrives at Bradshaw College uh, incognito with no badges to avoid giving the unsub the satisfaction of knowing that the FBI is involved. They interview Dean of Students Ellen Turner and Fire Inspector Daddy Zhang. <laughs> Inspector Zhang states that the chemistry lab on campus is missing flammable chemicals that went missing today and shows the team a device that was used to set the fire. And I didn't really get the specifics of this because then the the arsonist uses a totally different method to set the other fires because, spoiler alert, there are more fires to come. Basically, the team tries to determine whether the attack on Matthew, who was the student who was killed, was intended specifically for Matthew or if he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Inspector Zhang states that he's he's investigated and interviewed Matthew's roommate, who said that Matthew was well-liked and that there was no motive for revenge. And so, like, he's basically doing the BAU's work. And I was like, what does a fire inspector do? Like, what is this guy's job? Why is he here? (laughs) Apparently, they inspect buildings for potential fire hazards. (laughs) Like, he's not a cop. He's not a detective. He's not police. He shouldn't be here. Right. He's not an arson investigator. He's not like a bomb squad. He's just literally, he's the guy who comes every once in a while to make sure that the building is up to code with fire. This whole thing, like the BAU we're going to learn, really doesn't know how to investigate this case. And they'll go to like any lanes to get any info from anyone, regardless of their credentials. Daddy Zhang stays with us throughout the entire episode, um, offering insight (laughs) and his opinions. Fire inspectors, though, apparently made in 2011 a gross salary of $53,000 a year. So not a bad job. Just what what is he bringing to the table for these investigations? Because he's apparently going around interviewing witnesses. Taking notes. I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on this guy. I just, at one point, you, we see him like eating pizza with the dean of the college, and I'm like, is there something there? <laughs> like, they're sharing pizza. There's like just, there's a, there's a box of pizza, and they're like just pulling pizza out of the box, hanging out after hours. 
Oh my God. Um, I stand that, by the way. Um, I do have to say, and this is like slightly deviating, but when they're all like walking around and doing their like investigating thingy, uh, there's this one shot and we have um, Morgan walking on like a balcony sort of thing and he's walking back and forth pacing going, if I wanted to start a campus fire, where would I start? And I was like, what kind of writing is this? And it was so, like, you can tell that this actor, like, was like, oh, God, I have to do like, And I started losing my mind. Lots of investigation happens, and none of it leads anywhere. So, I'd, like, I was like, I'm not going to write this out, because it's just no. all, like, nothing. Uh... The big thing is that Gideon sets up a hotline for the case because he believes that the arsonist will call the hotline. So I guess that's more of the um, the interaction with the police. Right. The arsonist strikes again, um, and he kills a professor at the school named Professor Wallace. This is the second murder, and it shows that the arsonist is a serial killer as well. Mm-hmm. Why were you laughing at Professor because, Wallace? <laughs> because... The whole sequence of Gideon dramatically investigating the water fountain. <laughs> okay, break it, break it down for us because I was I started to write it out and then I was like, I'm I'm not gonna do it. I I don't even. It's like suddenly Gideon has a spidey sense that something's about to happen, and he's like at the water fountain, like down the hall from the dean's office? Question mark and the professor's office, and he sees that I guess like the water has been like leaked from it, or like the water's been turned off. And the reason for that, then he looks up and sees that there are sprinklers in the building. So then he realizes that, oh, if the water's off and this, like, then there's no water for the sprinklers. So if a fire happens, the sprinklers will not turn on and everyone's going to get killed. So why didn't Fire Inspector Zang catch that? (laughs) Right! Yeah, exactly. But I just like you then have these shots of Mandy Patinkin, who again, like he's an older gentleman at this point. Like he's not old, but he's older. And you see him like very dramatically, like looking underneath the water fountain and looking around. And for some reason, like, and again, it it was like a suspenseful moment of like, oh God, what's going to happen? Like I was invested. Yeah. I want to be making it very clear that I was invested, but it was just like Mandy Patinkin. FBI genius moving as he walks around and inspects underneath a water fountain. Oh my god. I, I, for some reason, I didn't catch the sprinklers. Well, it's because they focus on the water fountain a lot more than the sprinklers, but there's like one shot up, and I was like, oh, I'm smart. I'm getting what they're getting at now. I was like, oh, that's that's weird that he's just so like fixated on this fucking water fountain that's out of order. You know, Inspector saying really slacking at his job. I'm just saying he has one job. This is his specific job. He's too busy eating pizza, and for that, you can't be mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Okay, so the arsonist strikes again in this building, killing a professor at the school called Professor Wallace. 
this second murder shows that the arsonist is actually a serial killer. So that wasn't something we mentioned earlier, but like an arsonist is different than a serial killer. So a serial arsonist, it's a lot of fires, serial killer kills people. This person is both a serial arsonist and a serial killer. The BAU team struggles to put together a coherent profile because now the profile that we mentioned earlier doesn't really show any motive. Because they don't really have much of a profile to go with at this point. So what do they do? They're like, let's bring some some teenagers into this. Like, let's let's talk to the students. We'll get there later. Um, Gideon meets a nerd on a bicycle. <laughs> identifies himself as Campus Patrol. He's actually credited as Campus Patrol in IMDb. Anyone who, like, voluntarily is, like, Campus Patrol or Campus Police is not not getting laid, and that's all I have to say about that. Although this, this one is. He is. Well, we don't know, but he asks Gideon a lot of questions about profiling, and he's a little creepy. Um, could he be the murderer? Gideon tells the campus patrol guy, well, he says, like, are you fighting with your girlfriend? Because he ne- notices a necklace and he assumes that the girlfriend gave him the necklace. Yeah, and the necklace says something like forever yours or be mine. Yeah. Yeah. And the campus nerd is like, oh, my God. At this point, the BAU, the FBI unit, is struggling. So Reed, Hodge, and Inspector Daddy Zhang um, work with Bradshaw College's chemistry club to help, to, I guess, to gain some insight on the crime. They needed, like, freshman chemistry students to do this for them. Again, maybe if Daddy Zhang wasn't so busy going around interviewing witnesses about, you know, possible betrayals, um, he couldn't have caught this, but anyways. Jeremy says that you drill drill a hole in the side of a light bulb and fill the light bulb with gasoline and then screw it back on. And then when it's turned on, it explodes, which is what they, they find out. That's how Wallace died. And another student in the club, the other... So there are three other kids in the club that are the main players and the only other one who is named, because it's like chemistry student one, chemistry student two, is Clara, who confides in the team that she knows how to make a Molotov cocktail. And she's also creepy about it. The arsonist, <laughs> this is hysterical. I can't get over this. The arsonist finally calls the BAU tip line using the office that's right next door to Professor Wallace's office. And we hear a distorted voice that says, Karen. I do this for Karen. And they had like this scream voice going with it and everything. And I was like, stop. Uh, Okay. So Penelope Garcia, um, she works on trying to edit the audio and clean it up. Morgan, who was kind of rude to her last episode is now calling her baby girl. No, he calls her my girl. Yeah. They have like a cute kind of flirty relationship going on. And Morgan and Elle attempt to interview all of the Karens on Bradshaw campus, which I just think is hysterical. How did how did that go? <laughs> like we 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 see a snapshot of it where it's like Karen number seven. So Gideon runs into the campus patrol guy again, the bike nerd, and asks if he broke up with his girlfriend. 
And then the campus patroller comes out to Gideon and tells him that he broke up with his girlfriend, who then told him that homosexuality is a sin and that he will incur the wrath of God. Right, because he likes someone else and that someone else is a boy. This leads Gideon to realize that the arsonist recording is not saying, I do this for Karen, but I do this for our Quran, which is God's burning anger, meaning that the motive is religious. But then it turns out that this is not actually what the recording is saying either. I I just love how that is what inspired him to make that leap. How many hoops, turns, and like, you know, driving backwards did he have to do to make that connection? So the profile that we have now is... Uh, So it's scrupulosity, which is a type of OCD. Which is religious obsession slash compulsive. And then they also say that this is a task-oriented arsonist who uses fire for the OCD compulsion. So again, we're using mental illnesses and disorders as a motivation or reasoning for mortar. Mortar. Um, Reed finally does something. He makes a discovery that the unsub's fire starting is a compulsion. He notices on the original videotape that shows Matthew's um, tragic demise that the unsub was not trying to get into the room, but was turning the doorknob three times. The blurry, grainy footage from a cell phone camera (laughs) zoomed in a thousand times. I was like, how do you know? How do you know they're not trying to get in? Okay, so Elle and Morgan go to Clara's off-campus apartment, and it's a lot. The walls are covered in, like, crazy writing, and there's, like, a Curie, a liaison playing in the background for you music nerds out there. Anyway, there's lots of candles. There's a beaded curtain. You know, normal girl stuff. Also, Morgan has to teach L what OMG means because he walks in and he goes, OCD, more like OMG. And L's like, OMG? So after, after L learns what OMG means, we learn that Clara was actually saying, I see this for Charon. Ch- Chiron is how I thought it was, but I guess not. The Greek mythological ferryman of the dead. Not what Gideon said. Not Karen. Not Caron. I don't know. how. But anyway, that's who I guess. Because she's got like pictures of him on her wall. Clara traps Jeremy and two other female students from the chemistry club in an elevator on the third floor. Clara opens the exterior elevator door and tells Jeremy plus the girls that she's going to save them. And they're like, yay! And then we realize, no! The student credited as second chemistry student says, is the building on fire? And Clara goes, not yet. (laughs) Hotch attempts to reason with Clara, and then he shoots her, and that's that. (laughs) Did you did you want to talk about your findings? A lot of it got covered in our summary because it's not like they're like a lot of the stuff that they're stating about arsonists does seem to be like on point from what I've seen. 
then I looked up, uh, you know, do serial killers, uh, what what is the relationship with serial killers and OCD? And what I found online was that the most common diagnosis for serial killers is schizophrenia, delusional disorder, and major depression. I thought that was interesting that OCD is not really up there with uh, murder. People who have mental disorders or illnesses, I feel like, get stigmatized a lot more so than they already should, and then using mental illness as a crutch in your storytelling of dangerous people just doesn't sit fantastic with me. Um, it's also, it's, it's kind of the like, oh, you murdered people because voices in your head told you to, so we're going to throw you in jail instead of throwing you in like a rehabilitative, like mental health place. It's just, there's so much that can be unpacked there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, 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 I have one last point that I, that I want to bring up. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the YouTube documentary, I'll call it Sherlock sucks. And here's why. No, basically this guy unpacking why the most recent adaptation of Sherlock starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman um, sucks. His, his thesis is that the whole point of a mystery, that why it's interesting for people to hear um, and to read and to experience is that we could, knowing that we could possibly solve the crimes, we're presented with the facts and the clues, and we can deduce as the protagonist deduces who the murderer might be. There's no possible way you could watch these adaptations of Sherlock and figure out who the killer is. And the directors instead, they're just presenting you with all of these questions and then being like, oh, he figured it out because he was smart. But they don't actually show you like the homework. They don't actually show you how he figured it out. Um, but I basically felt that this episode did that. So you couldn't have put it together and they didn't really provide a satisfactory explanation with how they figured out who the serial arsonist was. I agree. Hotch being like, oh, you know, she turned her ring three times and I saw it. Like, that's not a reason to suspect that someone is a murderer yeah yeah like I, I and listing the three things like it just it just drove me crazy and i think that this is why this episode flops like it's not entertaining to me other than like like i can make it entertaining by being obsessive about it but i did want to really quickly do the trivia so jennifer hall who plays clara hayes is a libra woohoo and she stars as Elle Woods in the in a TV movie version of Legally Blonde, which I thought was really cool. And Sage Mears, who who is credited an IMDb as chemistry student too, I just wanted to share her bio on IMDb with you. Sage grew up across the Golden Gate Bridge and through the Rainbow Tunnel in the land of plush greenery, yoga, and veganism. Her parents are modern-day hippies who raised her to think for herself, question society, and oppose authority. 
parentheses, they also smoked a lot of weed and wore little clothing like none. Oh my god. Sage, come chill. Come on the podcast, Sage. Sage sounds great. <laughs> Sage sounds amazing. I think the time's come. I think we have to rate this episode. Oh boy. Okay, what about the criminal slash serial killer out of 20 points? Oh, I would give it like five. Like it's it's interest like it was it was interesting to try to figure out like they, they they set it up to be interesting and it was just a big letdown i also just don't like using religion as a motivation for murder yeah and i don't like using ocd as a motivation for murder i don't like using either of them what about the character development between a five and a seven maybe yeah, I mean, again, we're just, this is the second episode, we're just meeting these people. Um, I don't really think it did, I guess we see Morgan as nicer in this one. Yeah, but we don't really learn a whole lot of new things about them. So I I would say it's kind of a plateau in this episode. Yeah, let's give it a five. Yeah. Okay. Um, forensic slash context. Um, I think this should get a really low score because they lit- the BAU literally is like chemistry students. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, what about a five? Yeah, they don't really do any investigate. I mean, Goobs pulls it through in the end, but like it takes them so long to get there, and the leaps and bounds they're jumping through to make it all work and tie it together. Uh. Uh-uh. It's not good. Um, and Daddy Zhang really, we'll get to him in the background characters, but he really does a lot of investigation on the ground. So, you know, they should make him an honorary member of the team. Um, the script, Ooh, the writing. I, I'll give him like a three because they tried. They tried. It's just like when you mentioned that thing about Morgan being like, where would I start it? Like, you're absolutely right. Like, it's just, it, it, you know, it's not captivating. It seems odd. I think the whole idea that these investigators who are supposed to be the specialized unit of the FBI really have no idea what they're doing. Okay, now to like the premiere event. We got to give them something for these background characters. I stand, Daddy Zang. I love the um I love the campus patrol. Yeah, Jeremy's not bad. So I was upset. I thought Jeremy was gonna get got and I was really upset. So I, I would I would give it like a 15 maybe. Okay, so now we are at I can do math. 30 33. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe you did it. This is a wild episode. Um, But yeah, tune in next week for the next episode. It's a crazy one. Follow us on Instagram at Unsubbed Podcast. Um, See the show notes for our website, my blog, yournewapartment.tumblr.com, and my podcast that's on my now, like I'm doing this, Your New Apartment Podcast. Abigail, what about your stuff? You can listen to my solo podcast between stage and screen on all of your favorite uh, podcasting 
platforms, and that's from the Loosely Gilded Radio Network. And you can also follow the Instagram for that, which is Between Stage and Screen Podcast. Thanks for listening, you guys. Farewell.